2: Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grosso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, energy stocks on fire, the best-performing sector today amid the sell-off. And the traders will tell you the names they think will surge higher. Plus, Marijuana Madness says a slew of pot IPOs come to market. So which Wall Street firms are the biggest pot stock dealers? And how much money are they making? Oh. We've got a special report. But first, we start off with the turmoil in D.C. While President Trump attends the United States, United Nations General Assembly here in New York City. Conflicting reports of a shakeup at the Department of Justice sent stocks on a wild ride today. Let's get to Eamon Javers back at headquarters with all the details. Hey, Eamon.
3: Yeah, Melissa, that's right. The president is traveling in New York this week for events surrounding the U.N. And while he was here, he had the opportunity to take a question today on what exactly is going on with Rod Rosenstein. Here's what the president had to say earlier today.
4: I'm meeting with Rod Rosenstein on Thursday when I get back from all of these meetings. And we'll be meeting at the White House and we'll be determining uh, what's going on. We want to have transparency. We want to have openness. And I look forward to meeting with Rod at that time.
3: So a stay of career execution for Rod Rosenstein today from the president of the United States. It was a very strange day though, Melissa, with reports that Rosenstein would be fired, followed by reports that he might resign, uh, followed by reports that he'd been summoned to the White House for a meeting. Uh, it turned out th- that Rod Rosenstein was at the White House for a previously scheduled meeting, uh, but then we saw this video of Rosenstein, the number 2 official at the Department of Justice, leaving the White House and John Kelly, the White House Chief of Staff, meeting him to shake hands. Now, This is an interesting moment because John Kelly knows that all television cameras at the West Wing were pointed at that driveway at that moment uh, in order to catch a glimpse of Rosenstein. He made a point to go out on the driveway and be seen shaking his hand, not clear what kind of a signal uh, the chief of staff was sending there. But at least as of now, it appears that Rosenstein is solid in his job until Thursday, and then he and the president will get together, and as the president said, they'll determine what's going on here, Melissa.
2: Yeah, Thursday's not a very long time, even. You know, right. today
3: Not a lot of job security.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Today we spoke to a lot of uh, political analysts who were inclined to make a comparison uh, to what happened during the Nixon era just before Watergate. I- I'm going to ask you to put sort of a professor wool jacket on for sure. us. Um, it seems to me, at least, that we're pretty far away from this being the Saturday Night Massacre.
3: Yeah, well, first of all, nobody's been massacred yet, right? So uh, that's not the case. Uh, And there's a sense maybe that the president would do a slow-motion Saturday Night Massacre to try to uh, slow down the pace of this investigation. But that hasn't happened either, right? So despite all the speculation of that, uh, we don't have the president taking any steps here to interfere in any way. Uh, with this investigation. All the principles are in place. Uh, The question is, does the president want to fire Rosenstein and take the political and legal potential heat that go with that decision? Uh, It seems like we don't know the answer to that, and we might not know it until Thursday, maybe not even then. Uh, The president has got a lot of reasons why he wants to get rid of Rosenstein, particularly because uh, he appointed the special counsel in the first place. But on the other hand, the blowback could be pretty intense as well
2: especially ahead of the midterm elections. Eamon, thank you. You Eamon Jabber is uh, at CNBC headquarters for us today. And today, the rumor mill in D.C. went into full gear. Stocks sold off, the Dow having its worst day in more than a month. The Dow was down nearly 200 points, in fact, at the lows of the session. So if the chaos of the White House continues, we see an escalation of this. What's the worst-case scenario for the markets? How concerned should investors be? How should we think about this as a potential or maybe current market story?
1: Well, in this context, the worst thing that can happen is some constitutional crisis comes if Mueller is fired. If Rosenstein goes, then Mueller gets fired. That's the worst thing that can happen. By the way, with a
5: Supreme Court that's not... With a Supreme Court that has eight people for the foreseeable future. It's challenging.
1: But I don't... Well, it doesn't matter what I think, but I think that the seeds of this sell-off were made over the weekend when the Chinese basically said, you know what? We have more staying power than you folks think, and we can escalate this thing as well. And that's something we've been saying for a while. I don't think the Chinese are the normal foe for this president, and I think they do have staying power. And the more you hear rhetoric like this, the more it seems like there's chaos in the White House, the less inclined the Chinese are probably to make a deal. So I think, although this was the headlines today, Mueller Rosenstein, I think the real seeds of the sell-off came in the form of the Chinese tariffs.
6: I think the Chinese tariffs had ten handles of power. in the the market today. I think Rosenstein had another 10 handles of power in the marketplace today. But I do think that China has a long way to go before they become a huge problem for the marketplace. Having said that, if you look at the way the market is taking place right now, you can see that the market has already digested the bulk of the China tariffs. So now if we look at it, bring it back to 50,000 foot up, I think you're more concerned with D.C. midterms and what that means and what Rosenstein fits in there.
2: Okay, so but midterms before Rosenstein. I think think midterms,
6: midterms, uh, it it becomes so much more important now. The outcome of midterms based on what's going on with Rosenstein. But the president has some flexibility now with Rosenstein, I think.
5: Well, so I think midterm elections is what it's really all about. I I do think markets did move on headlines today. And I think you're talking about markets that were at all-time highs. The VIX was at an 11 on Friday. I think there's a lot of market forces here. We had an options hangover, which means I think you actually had a chance for this market to be selling off anyway. Guy highlighted the China news. No question China is going to dig in. No question China has been a factor, certainly for the rest of the globe. You also have this dynamic, which are rising interest rates. And I know it's nothing to get excited about now, but when I start to hear the ECB talking about inflation across the continent which they have not done, mm. I think that's been keeping a lid on rates. And I would be more concerned about interest rates in the Fed right now than I would be Washington.
7: Yeah, Karen, how do you
2: uh, decipher this?
7: Well, actually, you know, it was a merger Monday, which very yeah. often is a good thing for markets, right? You get people excited about deals and what other deals could there be in the industries that are consolidating. You didn't see that today. I think it was on, on China, on trade. However, I think the Rosenstein t- thing was much heavier. I agree with Steve. I think that it really comes down to The midterms, because the and the most important part of the midterms is the Senate, which I think is the less likely one to go. But if it does, that's really bad for this market. So can we
2: game this out just for the home? You know, for people, for me too. We're saying that Rosenstein could impact. The, elect, the midterm elections, if things get I don't know worse, how, though. the perception I don't know of the which handling way. of the situation well, is fire spirals. versus resign
5: is a major issue right, right now. And, fire, and that
2: could put the Senate in jeopardy. Of course See, that's, it can. That's the extrapolation. Because
5: Republicans will react to fire versus resign as well,
2: whereas don't I don't think, have think Republicans have had to resign.
5: But after the news on Friday, I think
6: he, uh, President Trump has a lot more room on the fire side. If you're talking about what does uh, that Rosen- mean? Rosenstein, who was going to wear a tap, and then even go, though he's
2: denied every single part of that, that time Even story. though he's denied it, it
6: we don't know
7: failing fake news New York Times <laughs>
6: we, we don't know where the truth really lies right. but I think there's enough of a shell game going on here
5: okay. that the so truth you is think, somewhere
6: lost in but, the midst
5: So I think we're all trying to disclaim, we don't really know what's going on, but if the president is creating more of what seems like a shell game, in other words, if you're Planting or saying these things about Rosenstein, which make us completely discredit him. You know what? He needs to go. If you think that that people are going to not pay attention to that fact, and then get us back to a place where we may have but that. Th- all I'm saying crisis, is that it's it's moved it's away from
6: the Russia Russian investigations now to a point of Rosenstein against Trump, in something where people could say it's a personal. Issue on both sides, maybe, but it's moved definitely away from a a Russian investigation reason why Rosenstein would be fired, and and I don't think he's going to fire him. I think I think it's going to be a resignation.
2: You mentioned constitutional crisis, and and granted, I mentioned you asked in the context of worst case scenario, right? And we're a long way from that, but losing the Senate is not too far away necessarily compared Mm. to constitutional crisis. So is it thinking that that the Republicans lose the House and they lose the Senate? and therefore the president's agenda is at risk and therefore that's bad for the markets is that i'm just trying to connect all the dots probably
1: accurate tax 2.0 probably gets shelved any infrastructure deal probably gets blocked or some you know some gridlock that we haven't seen in quite some time gets put into place markets typically like gridlock in this case maybe not so much because a lot of the rally has been predicated on a lot of these things going through again i'll say this I'm, i'm not you know politics are interesting but that's not that's what I what do, what do. I think we should be focused on is exactly what Tim's saying. Interest rates are going higher. Mm-hmm. Fed, the central banks around the world are in play. And this China tariffs thing that the market is discounted because they think there's going to be some reconciliation is still on the table. Okay,
2: so let's say we have all those risk factors and you throw in a sprinkle of Rod Rosenstein if you are in that camp here right. in, in Grosso. Mm-hmm. Just a um, sprinkle. Which, <laughs> just, just a, little, just we'll a dash. Sprinkle, dab, if dash. I may. Healthy serving, whatever is your belief what, in <laughs> right. terms of what will happen. Yeah. What are the sectors that you want? I mean, do you change the way your portfolio is constructed? Do you get more defensive? Do you buy more protection? Think I I would we're probably buy ride. more
7: protection yeah. here because even though, you know, the VIX moved up, it's still at a pretty attractive rate to buy protection. So I don't like to try to trade around whatever the story of the day in this White House is. That's a really dangerous game. So, But for me, down here, this VIX, I think, is... A, Relatively cheap insurance to buy on your portfolio. I
6: think mean, you have to lighten up on the market. Rosenstein, we've heard about the China tariffs. We know where the sort of where the players lie. We don't know how Rosenstein is going to work out. I think you have to be a seller of the market. You have to lighten up. That, but that is in what? A, though? What would you lighten up in? A large cap be- tech. I would. What, what the ships that have got you here. I would lighten up on that. I would lighten up on the outperformers. I think energy could probably stay because that's been a, a
5: laggard up until recently. So you could stay in energy, but I would sell the overall market. Ooh, that, and that's where I was going. Commodities. So you started to see copper recover. Oil is basically at near four-year highs, okay, folks? And you heard, you heard basically Russia and Saudi over the weekend basically indicate they're, they're willing to take oil over 80 bucks. It also seems like, at least in Russia's case, they're certainly doing what they can to disappoint Trump if he's at least been trying to job on that. Weaker dollar comes from stronger euro, comes from stronger ECB, more hawkish. That's very good for commodities. Still way oversold. They totally have not participated in this move. I would take a look.
1: Yeah, steel stocks, specifically Cleveland Cliffs. But, you know, in the beginning of September, one of the leads of the show was, can, what can stop Amazon? And we had a conversation. Amazon can stop itself in terms of on a relative strength basis. Stock is overdone. One of the things we said was it would not be ridiculous to see it trade down to 1850, I think that was pretty much exactly what we said. Look at the low today, and look at the reversal in Amazon today. What the what's the point? For the first time in a long time, in terms of Amazon, you have something to trade against, and it comes in the form of that low that I just mentioned. Plus,
6: you have a big uh, sorry, just a you have a you have a big yeah. week Wednesday. You have yeah. a big week now. Looking looking forward, with Jeff Sessions is going to get schooled on a lot of these social media stocks, and Amazon does get limp, uh, lumped into that as well. All
2: right, coming up. Media mayhem, Comcast, the parent company of this network, beating out Fox and winning the bid for UK television company Sky. And in the midst of the battle, Hulu will tell you what it means for the streaming giant. Plus, it has been a wild ride for Potstock Tilray since its IPO. And it's just the beginning of a new flood of cannabis-related IPOs. So what do you need to know before buying a pot IPO? Tim Seymour, the cannabis king here, will break it down. And later, the energy stock surge is heating up, and the traders will tell you the names they think could lead the way even higher. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this.
8: What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away?
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Comcast officially emerging the winner of its long-fought battle over media company Sky, and that could have big implications for streaming giant Hulu. Let's bring in Julia Borston from Los Angeles with all the details. Hey, Julia.
0: Melissa, Comcast is paying $40 billion to acquire British broadcaster Sky, topping the bid of 21st Century Fox and its new owner, Disney, by about 10%. Comcast paying about 38% more than it initially offered for Sky. Comcast saying that Sky will increase... The company's international revenues from 9% to 25%, giving the combined businesses 53 million customers globally to allow it to invest more in content. Now, on the winning bin for Comcast over the weekend, Comcast shares losing about 6%, Fox shares gaining 1.5%, while Disney added 2%, and rival Netflix gained 2%. Sky shares up about 8.5%. Now, this deal also makes rivals Disney and Comcast co-owners of two different valuable media companies. Fox and parent Disney still own 39% of Sky, and Comcast still owns 30% of Hulu and just added three directors to Hulu's board. But with Disney owning 60% of Hulu once its Fox acquisition is completed, there's speculation that Disney will try to buy out Comcast's stake. Now, these two things cannot be directly related because of the rules in the UK But Comcast is definitely interested in pursuing the acquisition of of the stake in Sky that Fox and parent Disney will own. So there's a question about how these two companies are going to handle the fact that they each have a minority stake in the other company's assets. Moffat Nathanson writing in a note today saying, quote, it is unclear at this point whether Comcast will eventually acquire the balance of Sky from Fox Disney, but it is certainly a logical possibility of such a transaction. Um, were to be part of a larger cleanup transaction that set Comcast 30% stake in Hulu to Disney it would be significantly more accretive for the simple reason that Hulu loses money. Now, it's going it to be really interesting to see how all this plays out, Melissa. They have very strict rules in the UK preventing a trade of those assets, but separately as they per- pursue acquiring those minority stakes, it definitely does make sense that these rival media giants would prefer to avoid having to share ownership of those assets with each other.
2: I mean, could we be in a position, Julia, where uh, Fox urges its own shareholders not to accept the Comcast offer, and so it does remain the minority holder in Sky, which would make it much more complicated for for Comcast?
0: Yes, so so that's, I mean, it's very possible that that Fox slash Disney would choose to hold on to that 39% of Sky. For the deal to go through, for this deal that was announced this weekend to go through, um, Comcast just needs to get the shares, of 50 percent of the shares, to approve the deal. So as for the that 39 percent minority stake, we'll have to see what happens to that. So
2: still in play. Very complicated. Julia, thank you. Julia Borston in Los Angeles, breaking it down for us. Um, what do we make of the deal here? I mean, Comcast shares are down 6%. Um, we should note that when, Com- when Comcast bought NBC Universal, when it bought AT&T Broadband, it's it saw similar... They were punished. Um, exactly, similar yeah. uh, share declines.
5: Well, again, the, the winner's curse, especially in an auction-type setting. That's something that I think the market is the first reaction to. I, I think we were arguing a long time ago that actually this was the asset that Comcast should be going after, and this is actually the one that made strategic sense for their global model. So I, I'm not going to throw them under the bus. I know they're the parent company, et cetera, so let's get that out of the way. But bottom line is I think this is ultimately accretive. Um, I think satellite TV is in decline, and that is something to be worried about. But right now I think this deal's what they wanted all along.
2: You know, in an Oppenheimer downgrade of the stock, along with Moffitt Moffat Nathanson's downgraded of the stock, but Oppenheimer specifically said that they would prefer that Comcast spend money investing in the United States where the competition is much greater. Why invest overseas when there's competition knocking at the door right here?
7: Well, I'm not really sure. Maybe it's cheaper to do that if there's more competition. here. I don't know. I mean, well, the shareholders of Disney were telling you we're happy that you didn't buy it. Right. So that was up today because whether it was a price thing or whether it was because, look, you've already spent too much money to do Fox. You don't want to be that levered. Let somebody else be that levered. So, I mean, which would also explain why Comcast is down. It's early to say, though. We don't know how it's or going to Or their competition is not
6: as strong abroad, so they had a better shot at investing there versus investing here. Right. That's the way I would look at it. But Comcast has underperformed for quite some time. It's going to underperform probably in the near term, but I'd still be a buyer on the tip. All
2: right. Well, the chart master is over at the plasma with the one name in the media space that's looking like a buy. Hey, Carter.
4: Hi there. So, Disney, obviously the maybe most important one of all in many ways, or at least for a long time. Uh, I want to talk about media lagging the market and then focus on Disney specifically. Back to 89, media has almost always outperformed the consumer discretionary sector. And yet, over the past three, four years, it's lagged. And you can see that here. What I have, of course, is the S&P Media Sub-Industry Group, which has got all of the names you've spoken of and others, versus the market. And this disconnect, I think, is the opportunity. So, if we were to move forward, what I have next is... The same chart, but then I've put Disney in. So, again, just to put this in context, we've got the S&P, we've got the media sub-industry group, and then you've, of course, got laggard Disney. And I think that's the opportunity. So let's look at Disney long-term and then the here and now. Here is the run-up since the 09 low, and then here is this basically dead money period for the past three to four years, massively underperforming the market. I think you can draw the lines like this. There's a lot of tension set up here, and what we know is that after basically triangulating into the apex of this triangle, we have finally, just tentatively, broken out and are sitting here on the cusp of doing something, I think, quite important. In terms of the here and now, no drawings, judgments by me. What I see when I see that particular chart is the following. A well-defined cup and handle, or said differently, the proper setup for ultimately a run to new highs. Disney peaked, of course, in August of 2015, associated with Star Wars. That high is around 122. I think we're headed there.
2: Come on over, Carter. Just Stephanie on, will bring the chair Nobody's got a triangle. Cup and handle. Yeah. I mean, handle. He I mean, no, Thanks, no, Stephanie. Like,
5: come on. <laughs> Fantastic.
2: I'm going to ask you a self-interested question. How does the Comcast chart look?
4: Well, I mean, th- th- this is a struggling asset in terms of the chart itself. Right. And then there are ones that were really poor for a long time, like a dish that tried to come back to life, and they're struggling. That's the interesting thing, because if you look back through the 80s and 90s, media basically dominated, in terms of performance, consumer discretionary sector, and then uh, of late, let's say three to five years, it's really been a laggard area. Disney is the opportunity, I think.
6: So when you see Disney as being the opportunity, and you overlay it, of course, with the rest of the sector and the rest of the space, do you see that they might go up together, and Disney might outperform, but nonetheless, the whole sector can move higher?
4: Well, there's also um, not sort of a spin to this, but this might just be a heads you in, tails you in. If and as the market keeps going, Disney trading at 16 times versus 21 for the market has some defensive characters quite possibly. And indeed, it also is the opposite, right? If the market falters, those defensive characters might just hold up.
1: My technician friend, did Netflix do what it needed to do on a technical basis? Yes. Traded down to 3.05-ish at April level that we exploded from. You, it's been off to the ring. Say no next year, say no by, the way, say you, by the way. Say
2: no you more. Say
5: you really no
1: hit no a chord. You yeah. see yeah. how excited
5: he yeah. got? He he just likes you. Yeah. He up like <laughs> Christmas
1: I
2: mean,
4: morning. You should go up there and draw it. Right. No, it would be perfect. Right? Came down, finding support where it needed to and showing relative performance where it needs to. All right.
7: So on your charts I see your cup and handle which okay I guess that's great is that in any market flat market or is there any kind of caveat that you have for that chart give sure, you higher. Sure.
4: So formations, they're reversal formations. It's how something that tops out or bottoms out, what that is is a stock that comes to life, falters, goes back to level, and then falters again, but falters in a more shallow way. That's the cup and then the handle. Ultimately, what it is, we're probing those highs, and the prospect is the longer you spend at a high, the more tension there is ultimately to exceed it, because you're removing supply. You're removing from people from above who, having now gotten their money back, are out of the market. Carter,
2: cup thank and you. handle. Thanks. Carter
1: worth he gave a little Louise grow. Yamada stuff there. The longer in space, the higher in outer space. <laughs> the Remember that whole the base, thing. The, <laughs> the higher space. space. Come on, get it Come on. Right. Uh, yeah. you're right. Poor Louise. I hope close. she's not listening to you. Of uh,
2: she you is. You like Disney?
5: Well, I, I like Disney. I'm long Disney. I, I would make an argument that when he said heads you win, tails you win, is that what you said? Are you still yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> okay, he's still here. Pet <laughs> <Head> you <laughs> in. Goodbye to the guests. So, I by, did.
2: Did hey, you hey, say did. thank you, Carter? Thank you.
5: Thank you for being so, here, good. by the way. Excellent stuff. So, <laughs> but my view is that Disney is actually bringing the whole sector up. Remember, Disney was the multiple everyone else traded off of. Disney's at 16 times. If you believe Disney is worth a 16 times multiple, you start to say the rest of the media sector is going to begin to retake those multiples that they lost a year and a half ago. And I think they do. And I think that Comcast chart does.
7: Yeah. Karen? I like CBS. I liked it for a little. I liked it since all of the, you know, controversy started, and I think we, it, it is possible we could see a deal. Yeah.
1: Discovery Communications. Quickly, we started talking about that stock. I think it was twenty-four dollars, thirty-one and a half. Now, I think uh, seeking alpha, delivering alpha. That thing we were, that yeah, was. That was one of the best alpha. ideas. Yeah. Thank you. That was an idea that day. If the you recall. The CNBC conference. That's why I said. Get yeah. it right. I, I mean, mean I it's I hard for me. I'm getting older. I, I forget would. things. I did Carter Worth, though, by the way. He's gone. I used to remember that. Thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> for more on with the Sky Comcast uh, bid means for this deal space, head over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
4: The stock market just had a major shakeup, and we'll tell you what it could mean for your portfolio and why it might mean it's time to make a trade. Plus, Wall Street's got a new pot dealer. Lee, we're talking to Dr. Chibacle. As the cannabis craze heats up, we'll tell you which firms are raking in the cash on hot pot IPOs, and the names that should be on your radar when fast money returns.
1: Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at
6: work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI.
2: Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction.
6: Now I can say bye-bye
2: to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. What's on the
6: horizon for financial markets?
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Energy is booming. It's not only the best performing sector today, it's also one of the best performing sectors in the past month. Let's get to Dom Chin in the newsroom for all the details. Hey, Dom.
9: All right. High energy, Melissa. That's one way to describe it. High energy for that energy complex overall. And from oil prices to the energy-related stocks that make their living off of that oil, it's jockeying with healthcare right now and industrials to be the best-performing sector in the S&P 500 over the last one month. And while there are many factors at play on the macro side, on the micro side of things, WTI crude prices are up around 5% over the last month. And with that move in underlying oil prices – No surprise that oil and gas exploration and production, E&P companies, are some of the outsized beneficiaries as well as the bigger, more well-known integrated oil plays. Those are some of the big outperformers. You got ConocoPhillips, it's gained around 6% in the last one month. Marathon, up over 8% during that span. Or the biggest oil company in the S&P, ExxonMobil, gained over 8% as well. Then you got a fellow E&P company, Apache, up 9% plus, and then Hess is up nearly 11%. The focus has been on the supply and demand dynamic. Some investors really kind of worry about signs of slowing economic growth in emerging markets. At the same time, OPEC has said it won't be boosting oil output and sanctions on Iran further crimp that supply. So, Melissa, the momentum has been there for the oil and energy sector bulls overall. We'll see if it stays that way. Back over to you.
2: All right. Dom, thanks. Dom, you in the newsroom. All right. Time to bring back a fan favorite.
9: Love these. Mm. What do you got?
2: Trade it or fade it. With oh. Of these energy high flyers. The game is Easy. simple. It doesn't even need an explanation.
7: Oh. But it does. Yeah. Just explain it anyway because I'll I tell you what, Trade
2: <laughs> it if you're buying it, fade it if you're not buying. Okay. It, all right. Got it straight? All right, guys. Tim, we start with you. Marathon Okay, watch,
5: watch how I do this. Please. Trade it or Tim. fade it. Trade it. Look, Marathon Oil to me is, is a name. It's a company that on the production side, I think, has gotten within their own budget. The CapEx is, is certainly under control. All the analyst models, by the way, for oil are at 68 69 bucks. You know where we are, and the average for 2018 is getting well above that. Stay in this name.
8: Yeah.
6: I, they've all had a, a pretty good move here. So it depends for me if the overall market sells off. I think people will run into this to buy the laggards. So I, it can go either way here, but I would say trade it. Okay.
2: <laughs> you worried me when you said I think it yeah, can go either way. I yeah. was like, it does that mean trade it or fade it. <laughs> you brought it back at the yes, end. Yes, thank guy.
1: you. What do you got? Are you dude? asking me? MRO. We, I think, I don't know if we power pitched this a while back. You know that thing we do at the, at the smart fish. board? but I think it was one of the names we talk about levered oil plays. And Tim's been on this as well, being the play. And I, I, I think Marathon works one hundred percent. I think Apache does as well. Those neither one of those are going to be my trader to fade it. But I would say trade. I'm along with Tim. So if you want to hit that little ding bell, do that. Thank you. Now. No. Ding bell.
2: All right, Gross is up next. Conoco Phillips, trade it or fade it?
6: Now this one is overbought, and this one to me, I think is overdone. Uh, to a large extent, I think that you're going to back off a lot of these numbers. So crude, yes, faded. So crude is basically caught in this uh, marketplace between 65 and 75, trying to break out. I think it's going to run into resistance. I think the subsector is going to re- run into resistance, especially those that are all the bought. And this one on RSI, relative strength index is overbought.
2: Oh, you're speaking Tim's so, language. RSI. Yeah, I love
5: the RSI. Actually, the RSI doesn't really bother RSI. me. Well, as in in general, I like referencing the RSI. Okay. I also think that RSI's can get, you know. Can, can have the heavier weighting they deserve. ConocoPhillips, to me, is a company that's been selling off assets strategically over the last five years. They continue to be one of the smartest companies in the space. I think it's a very conservative play. I stay. Trade it. Ding.
1: There you go. Ding.
2: Karen's Boom. up next.
7: Hess. Trader, or fade it? I'm going to fade it, which isn't really, it isn't in any way a knock on Hess. It's just, Are it's a up a fan? lot. Am I what?
5: You're a Giants fan, then. All right, to, d- to reference the Jets. Leon Hess
7: yeah, owned the sorry, Jets yeah, years yeah. ago. Uh, it's hard That's to be a really Giants fan. All right, but anyway, anyway. Um, so, for, you know, I'd just be chasing it at the top right here. I, I know I understand the underpinnings of why we have an oil rally here, but it's not crazy for some of those underpinnings to go away, and this will just go with it. Balance sheet's in great shape, though, but I would fade it.
2: So is the extrapolation that you would basically fade every single name that we're talking about?
7: Yes. That doesn't mean I'd short them. Right, I'm right, just right. Not That's at the bottom, bottom of that. But so no matter, that, no matter that, what we're talking about,
5: she's gonna, you're going to be she fading. She doesn't in, want to yeah, be yeah, oil,
2: yeah. right? It's important to know. Yes.
5: I, I, I mean again I disagree because I think what's happened in especially the e place. You can't place. disagree
7: that I don't want to be long oil. You can disagree
5: that. Why would I do that? I you just made that very clear. But you
7: can disagree that being long oil is the right thing to do right. or not. I am. Yeah, <laughs> and okay, so. and, and I, <laughs> I
5: just think that the oil sector is being run for, energy, for equity investors very differently than it was two to three years ago where it was grow at all costs. And, and I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of capacity discipline and CapEx discipline.
2: All right. Next up, Guy. Now, we put Guy last so you can observe how this game is played. <laughs> Still doesn't. How are you doing? And then yeah. play it himself <laughs> according to the rules. We have the handbook ready, too, by uh, the way. Oh, God.
1: Because there's so many Exxon, games now. It's like a rule book. We need, like, it's like, There, a there is a rule book. And there are bylaws, this one I This one Exxon I think I global, get.
2: trade it or fail? Trade
1: it. See, that bang, put the ding bell up there. And see, and I'll tell you why. Now, Exxon's been in a four-year downtrend going back to July of 2014 or so. However, if you look, major double bottoms at $75. They've grown into their valuation, only trades about 15 and a half times forward earnings, and they probably have close to 20% EPS growth. So if we can somehow magically get above 90 bucks, I think this is off to the races, and I think it absolutely makes a run to all-time highs. So I say trade it, ding it again if you want, Mel. I, I agree with Guy, but I say faded on everything that he said. It has done nothing. <laughs> it's rallied back
6: aggressively. This one actually is overbought on an RSI as well. Running into resistance around we that know, $89 apparently. level, and this is where I think you have to sell the sell the stock because it really
1: does nothing at, when it gets to this level.
7: I just quick, does the 3.8% dividend do you not – it's big, the, but, the, the, you know, that that's can a go little, in a if, day. If
1: you like the day, it's like a cherry on top of a sundae, which, by the way, I haven't had in quite some time because I'm trying the to whittle myself the down. The sun, did I say sundae and a cherry on a sundae? Yeah. One of the others. And, by the way, Cherry Valens in The Outsiders, one of Diane Lane's oh, Diane Lane, probably I mean, her best role that's ever. That's a
2: real tangent here.
1: I, a <laughs> Little Romance was one of her first um, role
2: as roles. As oil rallies, that's got options traders betting on turbulence ahead for one major airline, Mike to San Francisco, to break it all down. Hey, Mike.
6: Uh, there, yeah. So we did see some bearish options activity in all of the airlines today. And the most active of these was AAL, American Airlines. And the most active option in American were the October 41 puts. Over 1,100 of those traded for an average of about $0.55. Cents. Buyers of those puts are making bearish bets that it could fall below the $41 strike price by the $0.55 cents that they paid. That would be a decline of about 5 percent or so within the next 25 days, which is where Ox- uh, October expiration is. And of course, also, as you start to see an increase in volatility in crude and the energy complex, you're similarly going to see increases in volatility on the airlines, because it can represent anywhere from 20 to 30 percent of the total operating cost.
2: All right. Mike, thanks. Mike Co from San Francisco. For more options action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Still ahead, Wall Street is going crazy for cannabis and it's opening up the floodgates to a wave of new marijuana IPOs. We'll tell you how to weed out the winners and the losers. Plus, yuck, yuck, a major like market that. shift happening today is names like Facebook, Alphabet, Disney, and Netflix enter the new communication sector. So what does it mean for your portfolio? We're also here. We'll break it down. Much more fast right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. There is no secret that investors have been hot for pot stocks, and it looks like the cannabis craze is about to get even hotter thanks to a number of banks working to drive upcoming deals and IPOs in the space. Leslie Picker is back at headquarters to tell us who Wall Street's biggest pot dealers are and how they wow. can shape up the cannabis market. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Melissa.
8: Even though shareholders are giving back their gains from last week's pot stock surge, there's one group that still appears to be capitalizing on the cannabis industry, the drug dealers. No, not that kind of a drug dealer. I'm talking about the banks advising on all the deal-making in the industry. About half a billion dollars has been raised for cannabis companies through IPOs, while nearly $8 billion in M&A has been inked. And that has been boon for Canadian banks. Yes, our neighbors to the north don't usually appear at the top of the so-called league tables ranking deal advisors. Those spots are typically occupied by large American firms like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. But when it comes to the cannabis industry, Canadian banks like Canaccord Genuity and BMO Capital Markets rank higher. While it's not illegal for U.S. firms to participate in these deals per se, the fact that pot is legal on a federal level in Canada makes it easier for their banks to participate. That's according to Harrison Phillips of Viridian, which advises the pot industry.
6: THE RULES AS THEY STAND TODAY PLAY IN THE FAVOR OF CANADIAN OPERATORS AND INSTITUTIONS, uh, INVESTMENT BANKS INCLUDED, SO RATHER THAN uh, FOR OPERATORS AND INVESTORS TRYING TO PRICE THE RISK OF FEDERAL ILLEGALITY, THEY HAVE MOVED TO THE CAPITAL MARKETS THAT ARE MORE FAVORABLE TO THIS
8: SPACE. And don't expect this deal flow to slow down anytime soon. Aurora a few days ago spun off Australia's capital on the Canadian Securities Exchange. A hydrophonic equipment specialist is planning an IPO next year. Denver-based M. Jarden, which cultivates and processes cannabis, is expected to go public in Canada through a reverse merger. Melissa?
2: All right. Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker back at headquarters. So could this possible incoming flood of pot IPOs spread out and some of the money investors are pouring into these hot stocks, or is there more room uh, to run here? And I guess the thinking before Tim was that there is um, something embedded in the in the valuation to the U.S. listed stocks right. because they are U.S. listed versus can- Canadian listed, and it's just not within some charters to invest in Canadian stocks for institutional events. So you,
5: you've, op- you've opened that up to U.S. Mm-hmm. investors. You've obviously opened them up to the biggest trading exchanges. So if I was going to be looking at you know the sector now and what's the best way for investors to to, to really approach it, um, I would look at three different things. I mean, first of all, uh, right now I think there's major you know let's call it deal disruption. So there's heavy, heavy... I would almost say I wouldn't say it's fatigue, but there's I, I know of twenty five to thirty deals coming in the next month or so. And I think this is something that will continue to be an issue for investors. I think yesterday's price action is not tomorrow's price action. You've had a major move in the sector and investors that think that they're all going to go up. Look, the dedicated guys are, are rotating out of some into others and there's dedicated money and there's crossover money. I think we spend more time seeing what the crossover money does to the U.S. market. Second, stock technicals. Again, it's very important to understand, folks, what are you investing? in? What's the size of, of the issue. Where is it trading? Is it trading in Canada? Is it trading here? So we talked about that dynamic. A lot of these stocks also eventually trade in the pink sheets, which is the -the over-the-counter market. And that's very important. I would warn investors that those markets are less transparent. There's less volume there. And I think there's potentially more volatility, even though the pink sheets for a lot of these Canadian names have been a very robust place to play. And finally, look, just the fundamentals for these names. Mm-hmm. It, it, understand, has this company been in business before? Are they making money? Do they suddenly slap a cannabis tag on their name and suddenly get a different valuation? Alignment.
2: Like a When's, blockchain kind of, well, yeah. Well, so I would just say anytime scam. there's a
5: hot sector and there are companies, and I've seen this in the biopharma space in the last couple of weeks, a lot of companies that really could make an argument they soon will be in cannabis. And I'm not saying these companies have done that, but I've watched two, three, $5 billion companies have big rocket ships in the last two weeks, I think you have to be very careful. So finally, I don't know if we still have these charts that we talked about looking at the entire sector, but if you look at the sector, uh, the bottom line is it's had a major, major run. So if you look at a global cannabis index, uh, the index I brought together today is by NCV, Uh, Alan up there, those guys do a lot of work. This is a global index. You can see basically since that Constellation deal, the entire sector is up over 40%. So, for investors that think it's going to be the same move over the next three to four months, I think you have to be very careful. Again, what makes up an index? That's changing every single day. And the good news for folks is that you're getting a little bit more of a peripheral, wider. It's not just production, mm-hmm. but it's the brands, it's the packaging, it's the other parts of the sector that are very exciting. Right.
7: Do you think that this onslaught of new IPOs will, will, how many of them will get done? Is there enough demand there for all yes. of them to get done?
5: Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's, it's, I think they will all get done, or I think most of them will get done, especially if it's a real company that has real financials. Um, A lot of these companies have been waiting for this moment. Uh, I think the question is, at what price will they get the valuation, or will the aftermarket do what it did in some of these names?
6: I think the marketplace has a lot of room to grow here, and it has a lot of room for all the players to be successful. You have a lot of beverage companies that still need to be disrupted or find counterparts. You have the cosmetic industry that still needs to find some counterparts. I'm still long Canopy, I'm still long Kronos. I think Tilray, after that big move up and down, is probably a buy again. All
7: right, Guy.
1: GW Farmer, I think we did a power yeah. pitch for that sucker a year or so ago. Why are you making a face?
2: Because just 15 minutes ago we told you it was fast pitch and not power pitch. It was power pitch and and then, then, No, I think. It was so long me. ago. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we
1: call. It.
2: <laughs> it's probably gotten a little ahead of itself.
1: But if you look, Morgan Stanley just, I think, resumed coverage, $191 price target, as did Stiefel. This group is going to go up. GW Farmer, by the way, is a name, slow and steady wins the race. So if you want to be in the name without that much beta, this is the one I think.
2: All right, still ahead. It is a new face of media. The market getting a makeover today as Facebook and Netflix enter the communications sector. We'll tell you what it means for your portfolio. Plus, check out this stock heading its lowest level in nearly a decade today, down more than 50% from its 52-week high. Can you guess what it is? The answer Mm -hmm. when Fast Money Returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. There's a new bundle of joy in Wall Street. Oh. It's the communication services sector. So how did this happen? What does it mean for your portfolio? Our Steve Gross is over at the Plasma with The More You Know. Steve.
6: So this is the way it looks right now. You have technology and you have consumer, consumer discretionary. And you used to have this telecom um, uh, index. And this is what is in there right now. Not real sexy. So how is it going to change? So all of these companies... They're gonna to get to pick to see who they want in here. They've already done that. This is what it looks like now. So you've got Alphabet, you've got Facebook, which is coming over here. Activision Blizzard, Electronic Arts. So not only are they gonna grab all these names, but they're gonna grab your traditional media stocks here as well, so CBS, Disney comes over. And now this is what the major shakeup is. Netflix is gonna be over here as well. You have Alphabet, you have Netflix. You have all these growthy names. This sort of gives you your tech based here. Now, what, what does technology look like after we leave it? Apple goes from basically a 15% weighting to a 20% weighting. In the consumer discretionary, Amazon, which used to be a 27% rating, 35 now. McDonald's, Nike, those seem obvious to leaving consumer discretionary. What doesn't seem obvious is why would this and this be together, CenturyLink and Alphabet, and they wanted to get your traditional safety bets and your growthy names and your technology and your media. And they wanted to make this a little more attractive. I think that's going to be the main purpose of this because you want to get people into that sector. Communication sector right now is going to be the fifth largest. So you're going to have a couple ahead of it. And it's basically going to be tied for with the discretionary index as your largest sector. But the telecom space is going to be the biggest recipient. Indirect funds, just think about it. What's going to go in there? Safety bets. They already get those. And now you're going to have everyone who's looking to buy, that might be constrained on buying individual stocks that wants access or exposure to Netflix along with the Verizon. Verizon and the telecoms are going to be the biggest recipients recipients of indirect order flow in this space.
2: All right. Karen's got a question. Yeah, for you, so Austin.
7: how much money is there that's <laughs> actually needing? It's going to need to be indexed to the way these new three shake out, and how much could that potentially move some of the the players in those different spaces
6: it's a great question I don't think anyone knows the answer yet because you don't know how these funds are going to trade around it just yet so all these index funds the vanguards the black rocks you, we don't know how they're actually going to change internally or how the pension funds are going to change in their holdings so it remains to be seen I don't think it's going to upset the cart that much but you could see this new space garner a lot of attention
2: all right. Thanks for that, Grasso. See Grasso at the Plaza. Coming up, this is the worst performing S&P stock over the last year. It just hit its lowest level in nine years, and chances are you own it. You know what it is. Plus, Sammy sees Jim Cramer sitting down in an exclusive interview with JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon earlier today, and he said something that has Karen Feinerman all hot and bothered. Oh, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. <laughs> much more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. CNBC's Jim Kramer sitting down in an exclusive interview with JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon earlier today. Dimon getting candid on everything from his stock to a run for office. But it was something he said about buybacks that had Karen here a little hot and bothered. So we thought it'd be the perfect time to play. Not so fast. And here's how it's going to work. We're going to play a clip of the interview. Whenever Karen feels so inclined, she'll jump in and say, not so fast. You'll see the interview stop and the stamp appear. That's when Karen will elaborate on Diamond's point. So, are you ready,
7: Karen? Uh, of course, I'm ready All to right. watch Jamie Diamond. Yeah, let's go. Roll, let's go. The tape. Roll the tape.
5: Growing our business is far better for the economy. Right now, we don't have a lot of choices, but over time, I really would prefer not to buy back stock. You know, companies should do it when it makes sense. I also don't buy this argument that it's bad. Buying back stock is simply giving it back to you, an investor who then redeploys to a better use. It's Our, redeployment of capital not so fast. that should be redeployed.
6: Not
7: so fast, not so fast. Let me just talk to you a second here on buybacks. First of all, it's not just giving the money back to the investor, to to someone who sells it. It's more that you're buying back your own stock. And if you think, as you said, we don't have so many choices right now, what better is there to do with your money than buy back your own stock? During the CCAR results last, uh, I guess it was in the summer, you chose to buy back less as a percentage of your market cap than either Citibank or Bank of America. And for all of you guys, every stock, that you, every share that you bought back since then has been a good buy. In fact, every repurchase you've ever made over the life of the company has been a good buy. So I'm not really agreeing with you on the buybacks there. But you know what? Let's fast forward a little more.
5: Nice. <laughs> I have not spoken to the president. Yeah, I've and, and, uh, But my, again, my, my, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have yapped like that, in which some of you were mentioned on TV. But I do want to focus on policy. So my view is I should, let's just focus on policy. I shouldn't right. be taking you know, shots and having jokes at, at anyone's expense. I've said a lot of stupid things in my life. The London whale, we lost some real money.
7: All right. Not so fast there. London whale, we lost some real money. You'd be surprised I'd say not so fast. They did lose a lot of money, but one of the things that I like best about Jamie Dimon as a CEO is that when he makes a mistake or does something stupid, he calls himself out. So on that conference call, someone asked, are we going to see other banks take write-downs the way you did for the London Whale? And he said, if you're asking if they're as stupid as we are, I don't know. All I can say is what we did. On another call, he said, we made a mistake and sometimes we're going to step in dog-do. That wasn't quite the term he used. Mm. But we're going to try not to do that very often. So I love when a CEO owns it's up to mistakes. Isn't it? Yes, attractive. I mean he's attractive yeah. with or without the mistakes. But calling them out <laughs> is, I think, one of the best things about him. It, it makes, it, I think, it makes for a very good CEO and it makes oh, for credibility. Yeah. It makes for little hearts oh. and happy investors. Oh. And I've been a JV market Whoa. investor for a long, long time. Is that how you feel about the stock? That is. That's how I feel precious. about Jamie, and yeah. I'm long. All right. Uh, It's hard to, you know, separate the two. Yeah. Uh, You can
2: catch more of Jim's interview, exclusive interview with Jamie Dimon on Mad Money at the top of the hour. Coming up, it's our mystery chart of the hour. This stock hitting its lowest level in nearly a decade. Do you know what it is? We have the answer next. Welcome back to Fast Money, time to reveal our mystery chart. What stock is down more than 3% today? 53% off its 52-week high and trading at its lowest level since July 2009. Well, if you guessed GE, General Electric, you're right. What would you do with GE here? Then?
1: I still think you've got to stay away with it. You do a great show every Friday at 5.30. It's called Options, Options Action. Action. From time to time, I'm allowed to grace that show. A few yeah. weeks ago, I was allowed to grace that show. We did a tag team with Michael Coco Beware. If you recall, GE at the time was trading 13.5. And, and we talked about putting on a negative, a bearish position, and it worked out quite well. I still think the path of least resistance is lower. Again, if GE can't rally on the tape that we've seen, when is it going to rally?
2: Just quickly, are you still long?
5: I've got a toehold position. i tell yeah. you what, I think some of the parts for this company still make sense. So, I, you know, what I have left, I'm staying in.
2: All right, final trade time. Tim, what do you say? Yeah, so
5: we talked about energy stocks tonight. Chesapeake is one of these. It's actually a recovery story. They've been asset sales. I think the balance sheet continues to get better and better. Um, that's an AM I'm long in the stock draft on Power Lunch, so I'm long here
7: chairwoman. Yes, Coors, which I sadly owned going into today, oh, got a lot of. K-O-R-S. K-O-R-S.
2: Yes. they have the Coors, beers? Not no. Tap. Oh, I oh, love no. that happens. Make that happen. I, no. I, I love Coors Light, by the I love Coors Love. Anyway, beer. Yeah.
7: overdone I think on this rumor of a Versace deal, which could happen, but I think it already got pretty knocked up over it. Brasso
6: has had incredible headwinds. I think it's time to buy
1: it again. Earnings October third. I'm still longer. Hey. Jamie Dimon is dreamy, as is Discovery Communications.
2: <laughs> that does it for us here. <laughs> See you tomorrow at five for more Mad Money. Starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery.